Hi, my name is Teresa Tran. I write the weekly newsletter Transcendent, and you're listening to my podcast series called 30 Minutes in Heaven, which is an addendum to my newsletter. Happy Friday! Welcome to the second episode of 30 Minutes in Heaven, a transcendent newsletter podcast, which if you're unfamiliar is where I interview and chat with cool writers about their creative work and the latest hot topics in pop culture and the book and media industries for 30 blissful minutes in audio format. This week's interview is with debut novelist Thea Guanzan, who wrote the best-selling novel The Hurricane Wars. I first heard of Guanzan back in 2017 when I was deep in the online Star Wars fandom, specifically in the Rey and Kylo pairing community, otherwise known as Raylo. Guanzan was less a ship captain and more a cargo manufacturer, producing the goods in the form of fan fiction about the two characters and indulging in the fandom's request for escapist, more explicitly romantic versions of the pairing. From there, she amassed a huge social media following and became known for her writing and constant dialogue with the fandom. Several years later, she has now become the captain of her own ship in the form of her debut novel, The Hurricane Wars. Published last month by Harper Voyager, The Hurricane Wars is the first in a planned trilogy about two powerful royals entangled on opposite ends of a war in a Southeast Asian-inspired fantasy world ruled by elemental magic. Taliesin, an orphan who is one of the last remaining light weavers, beings who can wield light magic, enters into a reluctant political marriage of convenience with Prince Alaric, the leader of the Night Empire, to keep the peace between the nations. From there, the two characters embark on a slow-burn enemies-to-lovers romance for the ages. Upon debut, the book became an instant New York Times, USA Today, Indie List, and Sunday Times bestseller. I was thrilled to chat with Guanzan right before she embarked on her first book tour in the United Kingdom for the Asian-American media outlet Joy Sauce. In this interview, we talked about her history as a fanfiction writer, landing a major book deal with a traditional U.S. publisher, and her personal recipe for crafting a good, juicy, enemies-to-lovers romantic fantasy story. You can read the edited interview on Joy Sauce. On the same note, if you're interested in the expanded version of our conversation, where we bring up the supportive Filipino community, whether Guanzan thinks Kylo Ren will come back, her favorite edition of her book, and other fun questions that didn't make the cut in the Joy Sauce article, you can listen to the interview here via my newsletter Transcendent by playing it directly in your email inbox on the Substack website or app, or via podcast platforms like Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, etc. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe to my newsletter Transcendent and share my podcast feature 30 Minutes in Heaven with your friends. I would greatly appreciate it. Now, happy listening. Hi. 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 Oh, oh my god. My god. So- oh. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining oh me. I heard you're about to go on your <laughs> what UK tour soon, right? So you must yeah, be so yeah, busy scrambling. I, I I feel like I'll probably start scrambling like later tonight because I haven't packed yet. That's so valid. <laughs> That's so valid. Um, but how do you feel? Like, are you excited for your UK tour? I am. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited. It's going to be my first time in the UK. Yeah. And I'm not looking forward to the weather, though, because people are saying it's super cold right now over there. I mean, the average temperature here in the Philippines is like 31 degrees Celsius. I know. (laughs) But it's going to be so exciting because it's going to be your first time and all those fans and readers get to meet you and you get to hold your UK (laughs) cover, which I have. Um, And it's so exciting. Um, I also saw that you posted about your manila book launch event with that photo of your family your parents which is so funny your dad carrying yeah. <laughs> and your friends um and just really the countless photos 
and posts of readers all over the world taking photos of and with your book. So what has that experience been like for you? It is so surreal. Like, I just, I just never thought that it would actually happen. Like, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like a real thing. It's so funny that you should mention um my dad because I think the I think at the book launch photo he was so everyone was like uh holding up their books for the camera right and he was holding up like six copies and he was and he was smiling so wide and I'm like someone someone cropped like someone cropped the photo so that it was focused so that it was only him in the frame and then uh they were like this king is uh this guy is a legend for holding like six copies oh, really? he's, he's, then, he must be so proud uh yeah uh like i, I also did not expect that because i think um, i've spoken before about how um well you are also asian you know what i mean <laughs> like uh my my parents um kind of don't believe that this is a real job no yes yeah I, I... <laughs> But now that you've published a book, now they're like, oh, she's an author now. Yeah, I think I think like when when it hit the New York Times, that yeah. was when they were like, oh, 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 okay, like maybe it is legit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And by the <laughs> way, congr- I know I've said it a few times already, um, in other contexts, but congratulations on hitting the list. That's so exciting, and it's makes me personally so like happy because I'm also like I'm Vietnamese, I'm Southeast Asian, so it's just so nice to see representation on the list. And thank you. I think. A lot. I think a, a big part of it was like um the Filipino community because I don't know if it's the same with the uh, Vietnamese community. Like when anything when anything happens that's remotely connected to the Philippines or to Filipinos, everyone is like immediately out there in full support of it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. So um, I heard that like uh that uh people were Filipino. The Filipino diaspora they were everyone was telling all their friends about it everyone was telling their relatives and like that's why like I think a lot of people really went out to buy the book yes (laughs) exactly and honestly and also just like the fact that your book is a southeast asian specifically filipino inspired enemies to lovers fantasy book it's like it's like if somebody had basically written a book just for me, you basically wrote <laughs> um, So uh, I know you probably mentioned you've mentioned this before in other interviews, but for the readers of Joy Sauce, would you mind um, sharing what inspired you to sort of write a Southeast Asian Filipino-based enemies to lovers fantasy story? So um, I I think that I think that uh, at its core the the whole enemies to lovers trope is very much like it's very much southeast asia it's very much filipino because we love our we love our melodramatic uh dramas we yeah. love our we love our teleseries we love our we love all all our uh, forbidden forbidden romance tropes and all all that swoony like all that swoony soap operatic uh passion things yeah. like that so it was it was like it was just really nice it was, like basically this is my own take on this is my own interpretation of an asian drama because it makes <laughs> use of a lot of asian drama tropes mm-hmm. and i guess it's also because enemies to lovers is my favorite trope ever 
and I I just really wanted to share my own spin on it and this time set it in a world that features a lot of the a lot of the um heritage and cultural touches that I have always longed to see in the fantasy genre. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, just because I I'm totally with you. I watch so many Asian dramas and I love the enemies to lovers trope. Um, so when I heard that you were doing uh, a Southeast Asian <laughs> take on it, I was literally like, yeah, finally, because <laughs> I love it. Because there's so many East Asian ones. <laughs> we need Southeast Asian. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, yes, you mentioned this too. Like, you know, you're an author who's based in the Philippines, specifically Manila, and mm-hmm. you got a major book deal with a traditional mm-hmm. big five U.S. publisher. What has been, I'm very curious, what has been some of the positive things that have happened as a result of this, as well as some of the challenges that you faced on your journey to get published? Uh, okay, uh, let's start with the challenges first so that okay. we can sort of build up to the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that we can end on a positive note. I, I think I think in terms of challenges, it, it's even, like, it starts from the little things. Like, for example, coordinating this, like, coordinating a... Uh, interviews uh, media stuff because I think the Philippines is like 12 hours a whole 12 hours ahead of yeah. uh, Eastern Standard Time so like sometimes so there there really are times when my when my uh, sleeping schedule is totally flipped my biologic my body clock is totally uh totally like upside down because yeah. of stuff like that and then and there's even like the simple logistical stuff like for example uh, my publisher has to send me my packages and anything else that I need to sign, they have to send it to me by uh, a private courier because if they send it to me by a regular mail, I either don't get it at all really? or I get it like four months later. Oh my god! Yeah, he, yeah, it's it, it's nuts. Yeah, that 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 is um that is uh international mail for you that ends up here in the Philippines. <laughs> yeah, and. Yeah, and then there's also I think there 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 are also issues like a visa stuff because mm-hmm. I don't think it's something that people with um American or European passports really consider. But it's not like unlike other authors, I can't just hop on a plane and attend a attend an event to promote my book. That is that requires like that requires like months of planning because I have to apply for I have to I have to apply for a visa and then to give a recent example I was recently invited to an event in the U.S. They invited me like three weeks before the event and you know what like I really of course I really appreciate the invitation but at the same time it's just it's just like simple stuff like that like stuff Mm -hmm. that's such a stuff that's a fact of life for me like I can't drop everything and go to and go to an event in the u.s with only three weeks notice it's like it's not something that a lot of uh people who live in the u.s think about because for them like they're used to like yeah they can just they can just fly to the philippines whatever yeah Yeah, those are the challenges so far like it's mostly like you know logistics and stuff like that and also okay one more thing oh my god i'm I'm, am i ranting i feel like no please (laughs) no i'm I'm riveted this is so interesting to me i please keep going okay and then uh maybe the last thing is like it's it's a communication issue because Mm -hmm. i before so i considered myself pretty fluent in english yeah yeah before i started like uh doing uh press stuff for the book 
And then when my when the interview cycle started, that was when I realized that okay, I no, I'm not fluent in English. I am fluent in English mixed with my language. <laughs> but if you yeah, but if you if you if you if I have to speak in straight English, it's just like it all go it it, it all like um yeah, it's it, it's not pretty. I was no matter how bad this is now, it was so much worse when I started doing it. Oh, well, like, you're, without... I think you're doing a great job. I really oh, do. Thank you. Yeah, but like, I swear, um, months and months ago when I started doing it, when I started going on podcasts, like, if I listen to those very early interviews, I'm like, oh, God, it sounds so bad. <laughs> I think, like, I, I, like, there's that sensation of having to translate it in your head mm-hmm, mm-hmm. before you before you say it out loud because you can't fall back on a lot of the uh a, a lot of the Filipino uh language uh, yeah. Filipino language uh words that you usually mix in. Mm. So <laughs> but yes, it's a it's a constant it's a learning process. Gotcha. We are getting there. <laughs> and then um as for the good stuff, I I think like it's it's also been great to have like the backing of a major publisher because it means that the book gets into more hands mm-hmm. and there's a lot more access to it. Like uh, that's how a lot of, that's how a lot of people knew about it because uh, uh, my publisher was very hands on in getting it out there and promoting it to booksellers and mm-hmm. to, and to libraries. And yeah, it's just like, I, I'm, I'm very happy. It was, uh, it's my first time being, <laughs> it's my first, time being published and I think that uh they have they have I think that Harper Voyager has taken pretty good care of me in yeah. that regard. <laughs> oh that's good. I'm so glad to hear that. And um yeah you explaining sort of the lots of like logistical challenges of you being based mm-hmm. in Manila and then a lot of the you're absolutely right. Like a lot of authors and just people in the US don't realize that they can't like they have a lot of privilege to be able to travel anywhere they want um yeah uh, but I think it just speaks to I think the power of your like the book that you've written and the the community that you've created who you know it just branches all over the world and and they're able to sort of like you know kind of meet meet you where you are and I think that's so cool um and I'm really hoping I'm crossing fingers one day when you come to the U.S. I will try my very best to come to your book launch (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where in the u.s are you i'm in georgia have you heard of georgia georgia yes i i mean i've yeah i know it as an idea yeah. i know the idea of georgia <laughs> yes. yes i'm i'm essentially on the same time zone as new york so okay on that coast yes Yes. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I know about Georgia peaches. Yeah. Like, is it in the it's in the south. Like it's considered yes. the south already. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And we have lots yeah, of actually, Filipino food. Um, yes. This state <laughs> is so good. It's so good. <laughs> um, I have a question for you. What is your Okay, I have to admit this before we mm-hmm. keep going. So I oh written I ha- I'm not, not written. I have read um, pretty much all of your fan fiction back in the day it was like, <laughs> like 20 2015 2016 2017 I was there in the tumbler days trenches um really yes yes so it, this is really 
I'm starstruck right now. Um, what is your advice for writers who struggle with first drafts and discipline? Because, you know, as a fan fiction writer, I'm sure that you were able to gain a lot of practice writing a lot on a, on a schedule mm-hmm. and just really training to write. Mm-hmm. And now that you're a professional writer, um, I wonder, you know, um, if you had any issues with first drafts and just writing and being disciplined and all of that. Um, so like I think I think writing works differently for everyone, but in my case, what I have been tending to do is th- what I have been tending to do that really works for me is I set a monthly word count goal for myself. Like it can be anywhere from thirty thousand to like sixty or seventy thousand. And then what I do is I I sign up, uh, like I I make the project on a word on a progress tracker, such as uh, there's not an, there's not a sponsored post, but like there's a write track. Yeah, there's write track. There's wordkeeperalpha.com. These sites have these sites allow you to like log the number of words that you want to write for the month, and then you just input how many words you've written so far and they like they calculate for you how how many more words you need to hit your goal stuff like that so I think like doing it like this gives me the feeling of sort of working towards a goal so I'm motivated to write every day because you know every little bit helps toward hitting that uh monthly word count target so yeah that's what I've that's what I've been doing. Like, it's just like, it's, it's a matter of just like staying focused at the end of the month where you can, where you can sort of tick that off. Like, yay, I hit, I hit my word count for the month, stuff like that. Of course, but I also cannot stress how important it is to be kind to yourself as well. Like during especially uh, busy months or months where I am just too emotionally drained. What I do is like, I, I kind of like cheat in the sense that I change the word count target. <laughs> Yeah. Like <laughs> because like you know like it's a it's a challenge that you're setting for yourself but there really are months when you cannot when you just cannot uh do it and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that it's nothing to be ashamed of uh it's just like yeah just be kind to yourself because if you continue pushing yourself past your breaking point you you will get burned out and you will sure. fall out of love you'll fall out of love with writing if that makes sense mm-hmm. and yeah it's, it's hard to get back into the groove once that happens gotcha gotcha I will take that advice very seriously <laughs> <laughs> um what is your opinion so moving on to sort of the um the genre that the book is written in so right we talked about enemies mm-hmm. and lovers but for the for on a larger scale the book itself is a romantic book it is romantic fantasy or um, what we like to call um, on book talk romanticy. Now that's the new yes, term. <laughs> so um, I've been very curious uh, for your opinion. What is your opinion on the romanticy genre that's sort of risen uh, because of book talk? I mean, this genre technically has existed forever, mm-hmm. but now there's a name to it. Um, mm-hmm. And for uh, you know, for people when they read this interview. Um, this book talk is the book corner of TikTok. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, what is your opinion on the romanticy genre? I think it's great because um, for me, romanticy is like a marriage of my two favorite genres because that was what I grew up reading. I grew up reading 
fantasy and I grew up reading romance. And whenever I was reading fantasy, I was always wishing that uh, there was more of a focus on the love story. Sure. And whenever I was, yeah, and whenever I was reading romance, I sometimes there was a part of me that was wishing like, um, that was wishing that like uh, it could be a bit more escapist in a sense. Like it could be like, I w- like sometimes I would wish for something uh, really outlandish to happen like yeah. some magic some magic so it's a yeah I think like I think fantasy I think romanticy uh one of the most immersive forms of escapism because it allows us to it allows us as readers to sort of disappear into a whole new world while at the same time uh swooning over a love story yeah. and as a writer it's as a writer it's nice because it allows it, it serves as an outlet for my hyperactive imagination while at the same time also letting me capture like you know like the the all of the chaos besides within the human heart yes <laughs> but it's so beautifully i absolutely agree um and it's like the ultimate ultimate escapist fantasy it's the best kind of fantasy um, yes i wanted to talk about your book dedication because when i got the book in the mail the, when I opened mm. the book, I let out like the biggest chuckle because your book dedication <laughs> says "For the rats." So, as somebody who was in the Raylo fandom for many years, why did you write for the rats? You know, what about the rats <laughs> and the rat fandom? Do you love so much? <laughs> I mean, the rat, the rats was my. The Rats was probably like my first major fandom where I had an active part. I mean, I dabbled in a lot of um smaller fandoms before, but I never like really got like I never really made long lasting friendships in those fandoms because like you know like I think I think it was also the fact that by the time uh, the Star Wars sequel trilogy came out out I was I wasn't in college anymore so I had so I had I had no more papers to I had no more thesis to defend so I had I had I had more time to be online (laughs) yeah (laughs) so so yeah like I was a working girl already and getting into the Star Wars fandom was was a way for me to distress and it was a way for me to to you know let off some steam from let off the steam from like working at the office and I just I just managed to connect to so many people there like I love that as a fandom we have our own memes we have our own inner jokes uh inside jokes rather and then yeah. uh everyone has just everyone is just like so kind and supportive and that's why like when I when I was thinking about the dedication for my first book I knew that there was that there were there was nothing else I could have dedicated it to because a lot of this like it's the culmination of my seven years in in the fandom and uh all all of those highs and lows and everyone shared that with me and I like I like I'm just I'm just really grateful because speaking as um Miki, as someone who lives in the global south, like, you know, we don't have much of, like, we don't have much of a leg into the international publishing industry here. For sure. Uh, I I don't even think that we have literary agencies 
and there is like you know like there is not that much support and in infrastructure for the arts so if you want a career as a writer it's I, it's not like impossible but it's very hard to achieve for sure and yeah and so um without fan fiction without the following that i got from fan fiction i don't think like i don't think like uh i would have gotten these opportunities so mm. yeah so i'm i'm definitely a rat forever yeah. for the rest of my life <laughs> we love to hear it we love to hear it so sort of on the flip side of that um mm. You know, as it, like, you know, the past several years, like, being in the Raylo fandom, we've seen, right, you said the highs and the lows. And uh, we've definitely seen mm. the lows. Lots of people, like, we're just minding our own business, loving this ship, you know. And then there's people out there who just keep on hating and just mean. <laughs> um, so do you have anything to say to the people who think, you know, Raylo-inspired original fiction which is once fan fiction is not like mm. valid or even good fiction. Like, do you have anything to say about just the people who kind of discredit those, that kind of literature? Um, because there's like quite a few now, you know, we have Ali Hazelwood as well. Mm. And like, plenty of other authors who, you know, have come out um, with their own stories. Um, and there's just lots of unnecessary, I just feel like just a lot of like so much um, unwarranted criticism. So I wonder if you had anything to say about that. Um, well, it, it really ties back to what I mentioned earlier about how, I mean, everyone is free to have their own opinions about it. Uh, but like, just for me personally speaking, as someone who lives here, who lives in the global south, like the opportunities in publishing that I have gotten would never have been possible without, uh, without, my, without my background and fan fiction and so I think that's also something that works something that is worth looking at like how how non-traditional uh non-traditional paths to publishing can be viable options for for authors of color authors who don't live in first world country in so-called first world countries I yeah I think like I think like um we should i think that we should be you know like we should be intersectional in our in our opinions of sure. of publishing we should we should consider like different situations we should consider this the circumstances of people who are not in the US or in the mm -hmm. UK mm -hmm. and yeah and basically like so yeah basically just that's just something that i would love for people to think about. <laughs> let it let it be known. Seriously. Um, moving on to a, a, a happier question. So, after mm -hmm. many years of writing, um, you know, Star Wars fan fiction, you received an amazing opportunity to write a canon short story for Star Wars called Dune Sea Songs of Salt and Moonlight for the yes. twenty three anthology <laughs> called From a Certain Point of View: Return of the Jedi. What was the experience mm -hmm. like getting that offer and writing that story? Oh my god, like so when Tao emailed me about that, she emailed me and Ali at the same time because you know she's she's both our agent. So she emailed us in the same thread and it was just me and Ali screaming 
and sending like gifs and stuff <laughs> you know because i really could not believe it was happening but yeah it was so cool to be able to contribute to a universe that has meant so much to me ever since i was ever since i was a small little a small little girl and it was so nice to be able to uh contribute to the canon of this universe yeah. and i was i was i was just geeking i felt like i was geeking out for a, for a solid like couple of months and then and then i finally realized like okay wait i have to stop geeking out and i actually have to start writing yeah. <laughs> it was great to work with lucasfilm and would be with the random house world's editors and I think I like to think that I did a decent job in like yes. not letting my fangirl and not letting my, my fangirl emotion show. I was like, oh yes, 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 thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they would have notes for me in the bar like uh after I sent them the draft, they would some of them would have notes for me in the margins. I was like, Oh, thank you for your input. And then like deep down inside, like, oh my god, they actually that's so funny (laughs) oh well that's so lovely yeah when I heard um that you got that opportunity like that was just Mm. like so exciting um um so I'm thrilled for you that that happened so random question and I don't Mm. I don't know if I'm gonna put this in the interview because it might be spoilery for people but it's been four years now since the movie (laughs) but do you believe Kylo Ren will come back Mm. do you think they'll bring him back oh (laughs) Well, I would love that, of course, but like I, I know what's gonna happen. I don't have any insider information. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really would want him. I really would want Ben Solo back, of course, but uh, I guess that we will have to see. But of course, if that if that ever happened, like if he ever okay, if he ever got brought back, I feel like. I feel like uh that would be probably the best day of my life, maybe. Yeah. So I, yeah, we we shall just have to see. We shall, we shall just have to see. Yes, yes. I just needed to ask her because <laughs> I was like, I was like, I wonder if she still thinks about him. Well, obviously she, obviously you do. But like, I'm over here like, I'm over here like I think about this every day. <laughs> it's torturing me. <laughs> I think about him all the time. Yes, I know. I'm over here like, where's where's my precious Ben Solo? Um, <laughs> what, in your opinion, makes an enemies to lovers relationship work? Specifically, I was curious about on like a writing craft level, like just kind of planning mm-hmm. out the relationship. Um, you know, mm-hmm. people say, like you know, has, you know, it has to be slow burn. There has to be a hate period, then it goes to love and stuff. But I know, like online, people view it. Sometimes some people view it as like problematic, or some people view it as easy to write. But because there's a hate to love formula, but it's not inherently problematic, and it's not easy to write at all. So um, I wanted to know, you know, what do you think makes an enemies to lovers relationship work? I think that uh, everyone has their own interpretation of enemies to lovers. I think that uh, everyone has their own spin on it. And I, I feel like I feel like all of these are valid because, you know, it's art. It's it's subjective. It's what it's what you want. It's what you, it's how you're seeing the world. Uh, for me, enemies to lovers is great because it's sort of a conquering of the self in the sense that you have to let go of all your preconceived notions in order to fall in love with this other person who is the polar opposite of everything that you stand for. And I think, I think like 
that is what makes it such a good trope because it's sort of like it's there 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 it's sort of like like a shout into the void that you are not, that you are not like just in that we are not just like we are not uh categorized into these neat little boxes like sometimes uh we can also be very messy and uh very messy and flawed as human beings and that is totally okay and then, <laughs> yeah and then uh and then we have a i think like um a good enemy to lover story captures all of that and then like you know like it confronts like uh the darker aspects of the characters so an enemy to lover, a good enemy to lover story will show like the opposite like how these characters are on completely opposite sides but at the same time also how they play off and connect to each other and feed into each other's uh flaws mm-hmm. but at the same time sort of make each other confront stuff about themselves that they never realized before because yeah it's it's so it's a very so it's very tumultuous but at the same time that's what makes it such a good reading for me and such good writing as well yes yes and you're absolutely right like one of my favorite aspects of the enemies to lovers is the fact that yes they're so these two characters are so opposite of one one another but they're also so similar mm. if only they could yeah. kind of, you know communicated and kind of got over their differences and you know, through love, love is transformative, and love can change um, one another. So it's just beautiful. Um, yeah. And, and I and I really appreciate that you've written such a, like a nuance, like you, you really uh, put a lot of thought into crafting the relationship between your two main characters. I found it really, just like really thoughtful and really just innovative on the enemies to lovers, uh, tro- like trope. Um, because you have all the best qualities of the the relationship but also you made it really new and fresh and exciting because I read so many because I'm such a huge fan I read (laughs) all the enemies to lover books but yours just felt really really uh like special um and unique so I really really enjoyed it um okay so some fun some fun lightning round questions to enter interview Uh um if uh, what are some of your favorite fan reactions to your book in the story so far like any funny things readers have sent you or said anything about the book yet oh my god there have been so many memes and that was I really enjoyed that because you know like my first language is not English it's not Filipino it's memes and <laughs> I love all the memes that people have been sending in like someone sent me this post once that was like our favorite position is missionary, so we can keep arguing. And then, <laughs> yeah, then she said, uh, this is a lark intelligence. Stuff like that. It's been, yeah, it's been great. And then there's also that other meme, like there's, uh, there's like a picture of Urduha, and then the caption is like, we are of the Nenavar dominion. The war is none of our business. <laughs> Oh my god, I love yeah. that. That's just so yeah, that's just yeah, so it's funny. Really great. <laughs> um, there are multiple beautiful editions of your book, which give me one second. Which I have the beautiful UK version. Oh wow, the UK version. Uh-huh. I literally waited weeks, months. <laughs> um, I feel so like oh, it's so beautiful. Um, but you have multiple, multiple beautiful editions of your book. Mm-hmm. Which one? You have to pick one. Which one is your favorite? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably like I really love the fairy loot edition. Yes, that one's yes. so pretty. I was so jealous. I didn't know about that 
when the orders went out, so I didn't know to order it. <laughs> so I'm no, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't think you can order it. It's like, it, it's a, oh, it's, a subscribe, it's a, it's right? a subscription box thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have to get on the wait list, and then you have to get on the wait list for the subscription box. And yeah, they only sent me, they sent me the book. They didn't send me like the art print or the letter. And I'm like, it's okay, fine. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like fighting for like Ticketmaster concert tickets. That's <laughs> I heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last question. Mm-hmm. What can readers expect in the next two books of the trilogy? Um, in the so uh in the next two books, Alaric and Talison will continue to grow reluctantly closer, even if it's kicking and screaming, as they navigate more as they navigate more court politics. Uh, as they encounter more secrets of the past and past nations uh, start to move towards a towards the conclusion of all these years of war and we shall see how it plays out we shall see ultimately if their allegiances will still lie with their nations or if maybe like they can they can they can learn to they can learn to be loyal to each other. We shall see. We shall see what happens. Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you so much for agreeing thank to you. chat with me last minute. Um and, and what is it's eight AM, nine AM over there early? Uh it's eight thirty AM. Yes. Gotcha. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for waking up so early <laughs> to chat with me. <laughs> no. It's Saturday. Um, I have nothing else going on. Thank yeah. you so much, Teresa. I had so much fun. Yeah, this is really. Great and you know, I'm like you. rooting for you. I I've loved following your journey from like Tumblr days to Twitter and now to oh to Instagram. You. Like it's so inspiring <laughs> and it's so fun. Like your your community that you built is so fun and and so nice and so kind and stuff. And so. Um, I'm rooting for, I'm supporting you, rooting for you. Um, I will read everything you publish because you're a great writer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank and, you so much. And yeah, um, I, again, appreciate you talking with me. I'm really honored and grateful. Thank you. This is like, this is like one of the most fun interviews I've ever had. <laughs> oh, yay. I'm so glad. Have a okay. great rest of your day. Good night. Sweet Thank dreams. you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>